from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Playing ball while sitting down. I'm Charles Denny. Fun and beneficial exercise from a seated position. But we're still playing ball, chair volleyball. That story from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, coming up on Ag Day. Caught on camera, an act of vandalism at one ag business that looked like a strange scene out of the Wild West. All eyes are on South America's crop production. The latest numbers from USDA and the impact on markets right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths with Harvest in the U.S. now complete. Attention turns to South America and how much competition U.S. farmers could face in terms of exports. USDA releasing a new batch of numbers in this month's supply and demand report. It made no change to yields or production of U.S. crops, but let's take a look at Argentina and Brazil. The agency making no changes to the two countries' corn forecast, but take a look at soybeans for Brazil. Forecasters cutting the crop there by 2 million tons to 161 million tons. USDA says it reflects hot and dry conditions in southern Mato Grosso and northeastern Brazil. U.S. ending stocks also important to watch right now. With corn and wheat stocks coming in below what the trade had predicted, corn now at 2.1 billion bushels, which is down 25 million bushels from last month. Wheat ending stocks now at 659 million. The report reflecting those big buys last week by China of soft red winter wheat. Now it raised SRW exports to 30 million bushels, the largest SRW exports since 2013. The wheat stocks sitting at 659 million are down 25 million bushels from last month, but still 13% higher than a year ago. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins me now. Michelle, most grains falling after the report was released on Friday. And that's right, Clint. We maybe saw a little profit taking as the trade didn't get enough bullish data in the report to hold early gains. Now, generally, USDA leaves major revisions until the final report in January. But we did get a few minor adjustments, including USDA lowering ending stocks on both corn and wheat while cutting Brazilian soybean production. On South America, USDA left production unchanged on Argentinian corn and soybeans plus Brazilian corn despite lower estimates from CONAP. However, it did lower Brazil's bean crop 2 million metric tons to 161 due to production issues. But market analysts say bigger weather problems are needed in Brazil to move soybeans higher. I think the trade is starting to realize that even with some drought in Brazil and we're lowering off those early high record expectations a little bit lower for Brazil, Argentina is going to have twice the crop they had last year. Because remember last year with their drought, it was cut in half. So it was a horrible drought there. And if you take the two countries combined, you're still going to end up with a monster soybean production out of South America. And that's probably what made the soybean market pull back to $13 the last week here. Domestically, USDA left soybean inning stocks unchanged at 245 million bushels, but lowered both corn and wheat inning stocks 25 million by increasing exports. Bussey says for him it was a surprise USDA acknowledged that in this report. They increased demand, export demand for corn by 25 million bushels and they did the exact same for wheat. Wheat, I'm maybe just a little bit surprised, Michelle. I mean, 
I understand why they did. China's been buying a lot of wheat lately, right? I mean, maybe in future reports, we got to increase it a lot, but that was just recent activity. And, you know, these reports aren't put together last night, of course, are they? They're put together usually about 10 to 14 days ago. So uh, nice to see maybe USDA knew this wheat business was coming. World ending stocks were raised slightly for corn at 315 million metric tons, lowered slightly for soybeans and lowered a half million metric tons for wheat. Cotton production was lowered 314,000 bales, with ending stocks cut by 100,000 to 3.1 million bales. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now, one of the biggest agricultural companies in the world says it's considering spinning off its ag business. Reuters reporting that BASF is poised to legally separate three units into their own businesses. That would include its battery materials unit, coatings business, and its agricultural unit. That's according to the report. Now, the CEO of the German chemicals giant saying, quote, there is no intention to sell these businesses. Now, similar moves have been discussed at other companies like Bayer as a way to improve a company's overall share price. The union at BASF says close to 2,500 or 10% of employees would be affected by the overhaul at its German headquarters. A stormy weekend for the eastern half of the U.S. with rain and snow pushing through, stretching from the Canadian border to the Gulf Coast. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with a look ahead. Matt? Yeah, as we go through the rest of the week, the system that we just went through or just came through this past weekend, that's going to be about it in regards to major systems or uh, impactful systems across the United States. So as we go into our Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, what we have on the map here, uh, this is the precipitation the next seven days, but a lot of it in fact, most of it includes what came through this past weekend. You see back up here in the northeast, uh, not only some rain, but also some snow extending all the way back down here to the south. And that's exactly what we talked about last week. As, as this low pressure system worked across the United States, it would combine with uh, some dynamics in the jet stream, but also pick up a lot of that Gulf Coast moisture and move it to the east. A few pockets here and there and between our Monday and Thursday, where we may pick up some more rainfall in and across parts of Texas and a lot of the rain that you're seeing here from uh, what's technically called the Pineapple Express uh, it continues uh, some rain, but not nearly as much as you remember last week. They're inundated with rainfall back up through Oregon and Washington. And this just gives you all the Christmas feels. Melissa sharing this video of the Canadian Pacific holiday train making its way through Canada. Melissa says her son Colton captured the moment. She says he's pretty cool when the train runs through their pasture. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Several ag groups are joining forces to campaign against tariffs on Moroccan shipments of fertilizer. Almost 60 ag and commodity groups urging the Department of Commerce to either eliminate or further reduce those import duties. Now, as we told you last month, the department said it would lower duties from 20% down to just over 2% following an administrative review. However, it's reported the cut has had limited impact since Morocco had largely halted shipments of phosphate fertilizers to the U.S. Now, the group argues that's due to the ongoing imposition of duties following an International Trade Commission's affirmative injury determination back in 2021. But the U.S. Court of International Trade has found errors in that determination and has sent it back for review. Markets with a somewhat muted reaction to Friday's USDA report. We'll talk about where the markets go from here coming up next. And later, finding fun ways to get exercise in Tennessee. We'll roll across the volleyball court 
in the country. And make sure you take time today to sign up for the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of some awesome gifts, and we'll announce the winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced just before the holiday on U.S. Farm Report. Now they'll win a Farmall Seed Pedal Tractor, Then that look great under the tree. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit LamarsToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. wasn't crops but cattle seeing some big price action on Friday. Michelle Rook joins us again with a look ahead in today's markets now. Friday's market closes in the greens. We're all lower following the WASDA report. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net is with us and Matt first of all as far as the report usually USDA doesn't make many changes in December. Were you surprised to see changes at all? You know, yes and no. I mean, the changes that they made, I think, were the ones that the, should have been made if there were going to be changes made. It's just that December, typically, you don't get any changes to, especially your U.S. balance sheet. So it seems like November is kind of when they cut it off and then they wait until January to make the big final changes. Uh, exports picked up for corn and wheat, 25 million bushels. Both carryouts went down 25 million bushels. That was the that was the changes that they made. Yeah. Uh, beans didn't see anything. A uh, little bit uh, of activity on the world, but maybe not as much as what the trade was expecting. You know, it was only a Brazil soybean crop. So uh, that was probably a warranted change as well. So we faded early gains even after some export business. Was that profit-taking farmers selling? What was it? I think the trade was just like, eh, there's nothing in here to kind of keep things going. Uh, weather looks to me like it could be a bit of a headwind. We've seen this on some Fridays of late. Coming here on Monday and sometimes the rains disappoint and it kind of seems like we get things started again. But yes, I do think there was profit-taking. I don't think the funds are showing a ton of interest in stepping in here and buying either. Yeah. So in addition to that Brazil weather forecast you talk about, we're going to be watching that in the week ahead, as well as whether we get some more demand, right? Oh, absolutely. I think you keep an eye on demand. Demand's been pretty darn good uh, to speak of here lately. Uh, you got to keep an eye on is China going to keep buying uh, wheat? Is China going to buy U.S. corn, beans, you name it? We're fairly competitive in the markets, but obviously uh, Ukraine is still cheap as far as uh, feed grains go. And so, uh, you know, are they going to be able to get much more out of there? How are they going to handle it? Those are the things I'm going to be watching in, in the week ahead. Yeah, plus whether we continue to see fund short covering by the funds in corn and wheat. No, for sure. I mean, the funds, is, uh, they're going to manipulate the market for sure. Uh, that's where the big weight gets tossed around. And so we're going to be keeping an eye on them. Uh, what are they going to do going into year end? You know, it'd be very interesting because there's some people are saying commodities are still fairly cheap. At the same time, fund fundamentally, it's pretty tough to get super bold up in here. No doubt. Thanks for joining us. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. And we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Got equipment to sell privately but tired of scams and hassles? Visit MachineryPete.com and click Sell Mine. MachineryPete.com, the simple and secure way to buy and sell equipment online. Up being Monday, I want to go ahead and extend the rest of the week out. Show you kind of the 
major players that we're going to be following. Obviously, the one that came through this weekend is still showing up in the jet stream with more of a shallow trough. Didn't really dig all that far down. And one of the reasons I mentioned that is the shallow a part of it, it keeps a lot of the colder air locked back up here to the north. So by Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, the secondary shot of some colder air within the jet stream stays to the north. And we talked about this last week. There's two things going on. Uh, one, uh, the energy just isn't there for this uh, rear or this trough to dig down to the south. But more importantly, look at this ridge down here, bottom part of your screen. So this little half circle here. And this one here, the stronger that ridge becomes, which is something we typically see uh, in the summer, the stronger that ridge is, the less likely we're going to see any kind of cold air outbreaks uh, in and across the United States, specifically the Midwest and the East Coast. So again, there's the jet stream on Tuesday. As we go into Wednesday and Thursday, another ridge starts to develop in and across the United States. And uh, something we've been seeing saying since summer, you see that and you think above average temperatures and quiet conditions. So by Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I'm not seeing much in the way of uh, significant weather in and across the southeast back up into the Midwest may get uh, some shower activity you know, coming in out of this uh, very shallow kind of a bit of a, a cutoff low trying to show in the jet stream. But most importantly, the dynamics just aren't there uh, for what we saw this past weekend or, or a repeat of what we saw this weekend. So this is Monday at 3 p.m. Where that ridge uh, starts to form back down here into the southeast, you won't see much development in the way of rain. Uh, cloud cover uh, really stays down in the south as well. This is Tuesday at 3 p.m. That little piece of energy that we saw in the jet stream, that's what's kicking up uh, some of this moisture, some of the cloud cover back into Texas and Oklahoma. Again, there's Tuesday at 3 p.m. As we go into your Wednesday and Thursday, some of the rain starting to show, but it's not going to translate too far to the east as we bring sunshine back to the forecast in parts of Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan uh, by Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. We'll start off taking a look at Marion, Illinois, high of 46 degrees, low of 30. How about Marion, South Carolina? Sunny, high around 51 degrees. And for a final one, Marion, Ohio, cloudy, high around 38 degrees. Hey, take a look at this. A Washington State winery is looking for answers after this strange incident, security cameras at Sparkman Cellars in Woodenville show a person entering the facility after hours, dressed in a black cowboy-like costume. Moments later, a deluge of wine begins spilling out of a tank, and it doesn't stop for some time, resulting in the winery being flooded. Now, the suspect was then seen leaving through a back door. Investigators say nearly 5,000 gallons of wine was lost with an estimated value of $600,000. And the company says the act of vandalism couldn't have happened at a worse time, with their stock now dwindling during the holidays. Harvest may be over, but combines are still rolling across the auction block. Machinery Repeat has details next. And later, the National Volleyball Tournament is underway, but I'm not sure they're having as much fun as Charles Denny. He's found a great way to get some exercise. many folks are putting their combines in the shed, others are hitting the auction block. And as Machinery Pete tells us, there seems to be more on the market right now. Well, it's been a very interesting year for used combine values. I think the number one driver obviously has been the huge increase in the number of used units available across North America. So we've seen things like the average auction price tending to drop pretty sharply. Example, uh, John Deere S670, very common model made from 2012 to 2017. 
Uh, the average auction price this year so far down 22.9%. But I will say that on the top end, what's been happening with new combine prices shooting through the roof, it's pulled up on the value of the good condition one and two year old units. So just on December 7th, for example, we saw the highest auction price ever on a Case IH combine. This 21 model, 9250 on tracks with 275 engine hours, sold on a farm auction uh, Northfield, Minnesota for 520,000 bucks. That was 36,000 above any auction price I'd ever seen on a Case IH combine. We've actually seen the first three combines ever crack 600K at auction this year. Highest one ever, uh, actually just December 4th, online dealer auction in Larchwood, Iowa. This 22 John Deere X9 1000 with 501 engine hours did have engine warranty, sold for 621,000 bucks, and that just clipped past the previous record, which was back on August 31st. Decatur, Illinois, this 23 model Kloss Lexion 8600 TT on tracks, zero engine hours, that went for 620,250 bucks. And the first combine I ever saw go over 600K was one month before that. July 29th, consignment auction in Paris, Missouri. This 22 model John Deere X9 1000, 252 engine hours, went for 601,750 bucks. All right, thanks Pete. Well up next, bump, set, spike, and sit. We're off to play volleyball in a whole new way. In the country from Tennessee, next. impact exercise where you can keep your seat is growing in popularity and you just might find a game in your town. Charles Denny of the University of Tennessee has more on the physical and social benefits of chair volleyball. No need to get up, side out from a seated position. Serves, sets, and sort of spikes here in chair volleyball. The number one rule is one cheek on the chair at all times. UT Extension organized this tournament in Murfreesboro with seven teams from across the mid-state, each comprised of family and community education club members, including the group Sugar and Spice from Crossville. The intensity is just like a game on your feet, complete with a little trash talking. In chair volleyball, the net is lower, the court smaller, and the ball of the blow-up variety. I mean, you would not think, as seniors, that we would laugh when somebody gets hit in the head. But we, we all do, that's just the fun of it. It's only a beach ball. <laughs> oh, but tell that to the highly competitive Wilson County Misfits, whose game faces included matching headbands. In all seriousness, players like Dorothy Dunn enjoy their teammates, and the opportunity to get an upper body workout. Well, I think it's real uh, good to get exercise because I cannot bend over, but I can reach back and everything like that. But I think it's good for us. The idea behind the game is for people to get exercise without physically stressing the body. Add to it the social fun and you get a mental health boost as well. For some seniors, retirement and the passing years can mean bouts of isolation. One great way to improve your mental outlook is through social interaction. And a friendly game of chair volleyball provides that. Yes, yes. So after COVID, we saw a real decline of this age population getting out and being uh, with their friends and being active. And so this has just been a good opportunity for us to get together, have fun, not be in a serious setting. So take a load off and serve them up. 
Chair volleyball just might be your new game. You don't have to be on your feet to feel the benefit. Just keep your seat. This is Charles Denny reporting. All right, thanks, Charles. And that's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day. I'm Clinton Curtis. Have a great day.